This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason T. Mears Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? JT. I got to say, and I hate, I, I hate this. I've been listening to our podcast. And the uh, 80, 90 bucks that you spent on your microphone is paying all the difference. I sound like a clown, man. You are a professional where you're at. It, well, I'm glad you said that because that makes the purchase worth it. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that, that's good. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to spend my money on food for my family, so yeah. it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm thinking if I cut out dinners on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then fresh fruit for the kids for like three weeks, I could probably afford that mic. And then like, we could sound like we're doing this professionally. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, you're <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I digress. No, it's, uh, it, it, it's been good. I've, you know, still trying to, uh, iron out the levels with everything, but, uh, yeah, no, I think we're all sounding good. You, you've sounded great this whole time. I was actually really impressed on our last episode where our, our boy Steerman came in crystal clear. Well, I mean, he, so. he's, he's got that, he's, he's got the voice of an angel. So that was, yeah. that was never in question, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure it was his Android phone, you know? Probably not, not, <laughs> not, not the Apple products that that's come with the earth like you and I use. So, that's true. Yeah. so before we dive into fast six, a little bit of Bill and Ted news. So there are rumors circulating and all these are, are like articles that are like, could Bill and Ted three be released digitally? There's no like no definitive thing, but there's a lot of speculation that Bill and Ted three is going to come out digitally and not be released in theaters, which would be kind of be a bummer. But if that happens, it's not the worst tragedy. So that's some news. Also, I saw some chatter on the interwebs today. Folks are starting to receive emails from Face the Music three that their submissions to be included in the movie have been approved. And will be featured, so that's kind of exciting for people. Um, and we also got our first bit of news regarding the soundtrack. It was officially announced that the metal band Mastodon will actually be writing a new song, which they haven't put out new music in quite a while for the soundtrack. So that you know, I'll say I know I know you're not as familiar with them, but I will say that is that is right. Right where I thought they would go, honestly. That that band is seems to make sense from the Bill and Ted we knew uh, mm-hmm. to, to maybe modern music that would go on the soundtrack now. So uh, I'm definitely excited for that. I, I think Mastodon's great. You know, I'm not a total metalhead, but that is definitely metal music I, I listen to. So and, and, and that's what I've heard. I've heard like Mastodon is legit. And I think it's great that they're including that. I still, I still believe that this soundtrack that we're going to get is going to be way more eclectic you know i I don't i don't know if we're going to get janelle monet on there or carly ray jepsen but i think we're going to see more than just metal on here i think we're going to see especially with the inclusion of their daughters and their supposedly uh encyclopedic knowledge of music from what uh it's element has said i think we're going to see a lot more uh, variants on the soundtrack which i'm okay with i mean i get bill and tedder all about the metal but we've spent hours discussing the differences between the first and the second soundtrack, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, we had basically hair metal on the first one and then like dark aggro alternative metal on on Bogus Journey. And it, it's a stark difference. So I think it would totally fit in to have an even more eclectic soundtrack for three. I just hope they press it on vinyl. 
totally agreed. I think you know, with with Kid Cudi being a major part of the cast, I mean, I can't imagine they have a soundtrack where they don't include some of his music. Um, and and that right there, I think, uh, is a sign that that we're we're, we're going to see you know probably the best mix of genre from all three movies. Right, right. I, I think that's cool. And and on the internet, I get I go deep into fandoms of things that I enjoy. And there's like a heavy, heavy, heavy contingent of people who love Bill and Ted because of the metal. And I totally get that. But I feel like there, I, I, I worry that there might be a Venn diagram, right? With people that are like, Bill and Ted's all about metal. And the other people that are like, Bill and Ted should have sons, not daughters. And it, they're trying to be too woke because of this. I, I, I worry about some backlash there with old school fans trying to impose on Bill and Ted what they want as opposed to what they need or what the story deserves. Listen, man, I, I doubt we're going to see station and face the music. I, I really do. If we see station, that's going to be amazing, but <laughs> I'm not expecting it. Right. And like, I trust Chris and Ed to take us to where we need to go. The, these guys created these characters. They shepherded these characters through some really weird, weird odds and turns and just strange confluences of events. And I totally believe in their vision. So agreed. And, and they are all the main people involved with the making of this movie are woke as hell. Yeah. And, and not woke in a financial sense. Not like, Oh God, let's get woke. Look at, look at the over of Alex winter since he like started directing films. Yeah. Like you, you talk about Panama papers. You, you talk about, uh, his blockchain documentary, uh, like downloaded. This guy yeah. is all about like he is a hardcore advocate for democratic rights. If you follow him on Twitter, like he is, he is legit into it. He is he is all about fixing societal wrongs, and it's amazing. Ed Solomon, the same way, you know, like yep. uh, you, you follow him. I, I, I'm just impressed with his presence and his clarity. Our conversation with Chris Matheson, man, he like if you look at the way that he has turned his career toward um, viewing the the oddities of religion and how it can lead to absurdities and oppression, it's just like all of these guys have a singular goal of making the world a better place. And if that involves having a little bit of rap in your soundtrack or having uh, more female characters, then hell yeah. All right, so we ready to talk some Furious Six? Yeah. So I just want your initial thoughts, like on on where five ended and what five succeeded on, to where six took off, and and, and I, I, what are some of the subtle changes between the two? If you saw any subtle changes, or if this was just carbon copy. Here, here is my take on going from five to six. So five was the transition from streetcar movie to heist movie heist epic right and now it's like what what can we do even bigger and let's add some spy some espionage combine that with the heist uh everything was just just bigger and better in a lot of ways you know i love the storyline uh with letty obviously um the whole amnesia storyline and her sort of being on the side of the bad guy for most of the movie that was fantastic that that gave it such an emotional kick you know the 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 beginning of the of film was interesting where you're seeing like everybody and what they're doing with all their money i enjoyed that that was a lot of fun 
One of the things we didn't talk about in the last episode was the sort of uh, the Rocky Three ending, you know, where Dominic and uh, Brian just want to race themselves, nobody else around, just to see who's the best, you know? Uh, yeah. And that's just like the Rocky Three ending with Apollo and Rocky. You, you never see the fight. You you never see this race. But they open the movie with the two of them racing. And I'm sitting there absolutely thinking, oh, God, we're getting to see this. And then it just turns out to be something else. It's the birth of Brian's kid. Um, right. And, and that, was a, that was a great opening. That was a really great opening. We get further into the movie. And there's, there's some things I, I liked. A couple things you know we're stretched a little bit for me but honestly let's focus on those i want to hear your gripes man i want to i want to get into the gripes because at this point i feel like we're solidly solidly into these movies are way better than we ever expected right that's our baseline so let's let's take a look at, at at some of the valleys some of the dips what didn't you like the the final scene the giant plane on the runway that never ended uh went on a little long for me some of the self-sacrificing more to the point, the Giselle self-sacrificing thing fell a little flat for me. Uh, I didn't feel the emotional pull of that, but I also realized too the time of that movie Gal Gadot was moving on to bigger and better things and Mm -hmm. she couldn't stay in this franchise forever. And for that, I completely understand, you know, I guess that's a fine way to go out, but I don't know that I would have done it like that. Um, Mm -hmm. had I had the choice, uh, which I never will. Um, so it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. But no, I'm, I'm picking up on what you're throwing down. I mean, that, that was hard. I mean, like, you know, they, they did some work early on to show how simpatico Han and Giselle were right. That when they're approached by DDS, um, when they're getting the street food and it's just like, Oh, here we are. And we're in like, they, they did like a classic Tokyo John Woo type, gun move right where they're mm-hmm. they're locked in arms pointing at enemies on the other sides of each other and it, it, it just film language it works so well but it, it yeah it did feel a little flat and, and and it was hard and it was like oh my god giselle's dead that sucks moving on is she yeah. dead that's what i <laughs> you know the one beautiful <laughs> thing about this movie is no one's really dead and you don't see her and you don't even see the villain uh uh, Shaw, uh, they, you know, they just, they just fly out into the darkness and yeah, you know, in real life, they would definitely be dead, but, uh, you know, I, and and let's talk about that end credit scene, um, where Jason Statham finally pops up and and it made perfect sense to me. I mean, like if this series was missing one person, who would you say it is? I mean, Jason Statham. Right. I mean, come on, come on. And here's, here's the thing is. When Owen Shaw was first introduced in the movie, I swear to God, I thought it was Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah, I, I, bet you did. I bet you did, because there is a movie that comes out later called Hobbs and Shaw. Well, sure. But but I mean, just that actor they got, uh, Luke Evans, okay. he yeah, just he yeah. just he just had that like I, I feel like when he first shows up in the movie, you don't get a clear pick of his face, but his voice yeah. sounds almost like Statham's. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's not Jason Statham. And then by the end, you know, you put it together. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's his brother. Here we go. Perfect. For me, the first time I watched these, the Han, let's talk about Han for a second here. All right. Like, like, let's let a candle for one of the greatest cinematic beings of all time. Han is an all time great. 
I, I don't care what you say, Kelly. You can, you can, I'll fight <laughs> well, you to the death on this. If the studios could just realize what they have with a Giselle and Han spinoff, I mean, come on. That could be the greatest Fast and Furious movie ever made. The greatest Fast and Furious movie ever made is Giselle and Han doing a travelogue TV show where they go around to different <laughs> exotic locales, Anthony Bourdain style, and just sample foods and then shoot people. And that is that is a show I will watch 10 seasons of. Like Giselle kills everyone while Han's just eating? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So Han's arc, right? Watching these movies for the first time, I, I, I was just a buddy recommended him to me. He's like, watch them all in order. Just go. And I, I did. And I was like, okay. And I was, I was, I thought it was a really cool little like swan song when he showed up in four after Tokyo drift. And he's like, yeah, I think I'll go to, you know, Tokyo, see what's happening there. It's kind of crazy. And I'm like, Oh, I love that guy. Okay, cool. They, they kind of tied it in and, this is a dumb franchise and it's not going to make any sense, but that was really neat seeing him again. And then when he shows up in five, I'm like, what, what is going on? You know, like, Oh, <laughs> you know what? And I was like, I don't care. I like the character so much. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Let's just have fun with it. Same with six. And I'm like, he's still here. That's amazing. And then, then seven hits and you see the end and they tie it in with Jason Statham. And it's like, this is, this is a goddamn work of art. What they've actually done is actually incredible because they relied on my bro. That's cool to just have a willing suspension of disbelief. But then they did a stealth rewrite of the chronological order of the films. It just really works. And it really, really impressed me because it, it, it makes it seem whether or not there was or not, it makes it seem like there was a long game going on. And I really yeah. appreciate that. It, it was artfully done. And, you know, and let's talk about, you know, because there's this movie is so huge. It's so big. It's so long. Mm -hmm. Clearly, the box office earnings were like more than the rest of the movies combined, it seems like. Um, yeah, th this movie was Universal Studios' second biggest earner of all time. Crazy. But there were there were other things, you know, if we go back to gripes. Uh, and it's a little bit of a gripe, but I kind of loved it. It's a it's a lovable, fluffy, uh, cuddly gripe here. Uh, the whole sequence where they they send Paul Walker back to he goes back to the prison to get close to Braga, <laughs> yeah. right? When yeah. they find out Braga is a part of all of this, and it's so he can just find out what the deal is with Letty. And by the time he he does all of that and gets back, it's it's just basically useless information. Like like, <laughs> Vin Diesel looks at him and he, he's just like, "Whatever you learned is for you. What we do now is for her." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> went to prison. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it, totally. Uh, they were like, "All right, Paul Walker is very handsome. People love him." He really has no business being in this franchise at this point. Let's give him something interesting <laughs> to do. Oh God, yeah, yeah, that 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 was funny. Like uh, that thirty minutes we spent watching you infiltrate a prison system—that's for you. And I'm like, no, no, that's not for him. It's for all of us. We had to sit through that. What does it mean? <laughs> that right. was a lot. That was a lot of work. And his <laughs> poor, like, F I actually started feeling bad for his like former FBI partner. You know, he was a dick in the last in the last movie, but 
he gets his damn nose broken for no reason. Kelly, <laughs> I got to tell you, I love you, man. But if you break my nose, I don't know if we're still doing a podcast together. <laughs> I, I I know this. In that same scenario, I'm leaving you in that fucking jail. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Okay. Duly noted. Duly noted. Another grape you had. Um, the, the runway. The length of the runway. <laughs> the length of the runway. Let, let's talk about this. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, look, look, a, a, a minor gripe because in an action movie, no one should be counting the length of a runway. I understand. <laughs> this also bothered me immediately when watching the film for the first time. I used to be an aviation attorney. I used to <laughs> deal with like uh, aviation suits and some of those suits dealt with runway runoffs, like airlines accidentally running off the runway. So when this scene comes up, I'm like, Oh my God, how is this even happening? And I look, I'm like, <laughs> our, our, our good friends in the nerdosphere have calculated this for us. The runway in Fast and the Furious 6 was 18.37 miles long. 18.37 miles long. Uh, I, I'm going to Google right now what the average length of runway is. It can't be more than like two miles. I was going to say, Google the longest runway on Earth. <laughs> oh, man. It was, it was unbelievable. But, you know, it's not to say, you know... You do get a lot of payoff with the action sequences sure through do. that. That that's that's obviously like the climax of of the film. Uh, but I will tell you, my to me, my the peak sequence for me was before that was the scene with the tank when uh, Dominic saves Letty. Right when they're they're both flying off their respective vehicles. How did you and, How did you know there'd be a car there? I didn't. That was I mean, gold, man. I love so that good. so much. It's so good. So good. What is the mixture of chemistry that Vin Diesel has, where he's like basically a bag of gravel that looks like, to borrow a phrase from Lee Child, a bunch of walnuts shoved into a condom? Like, how does he get that charismatic, right? <laughs> it, 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 it just, I don't get it. I don't get he, it. He has a teddy bear-like quality, and... When he speaks, it's like you want to. I want to hug him. I want to give him a hug. I want my Vin Diesel hug. He's like the world's most badass teddy bear. <laughs> and and I will say for the second movie in a row, like he and The Rock on screen together. You know whatever whatever I've heard about them, maybe not getting along off screen. Who cares? Those guys are so good together on screen. All their scenes are on fire. Okay, well, Kelly, we're going to talk about that a lot during the next one. A lot. A lot. That's <laughs> going to be a big, big point. Um, I, I got to ask you about one of the new additions, Gina Carano. Sure. So that's that's the MMA fighter, yeah. Gina Carano, right? Yep. And is she the same fighter that took out Ronda Rousey when, like, I can't remember. I should have looked that up. No, she was she was good. She was okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, probably not my favorite acting performance, but her fighting sequences were good. And I was genuinely caught off guard when she when she ended up. You know, you realize she was she was basically a double agent. She yeah, pulled the double cross. That, that was kind of my point because one thing I noticed they did not give her a lot of lines in the first like two thirds of the movie. 
she's basically nodding and looking mm-hmm. like a badass, right? And then um, I, I really loved, and this is hard to pull off on a movie like this. Um, you're right. It, it was when Owen Shaw says, hey, baby, coming with me. And you assume it's Michelle Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And then it, then it's her. It's gold. I, and I, I would say that Gina Carano, um, I, I, I think she's improved a lot. I just recently watched The Mandalorian. I think she was pretty great in that, too. You're right. You know, and I'm just now realizing that was her in The Mandalorian. So, yeah, completely yeah. agree. Like I, 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 I almost feel like it was the script in this film that failed her after watching The Mandalorian, because she was one of the most empathetic characters in the entire Mandalorian. I, I, I feel like the script maybe failed her by saying, all right, well, we got the, we, we have this professional wrestler who's not The Rock, who's in, in this film. But let's not get her, give her a lot of lines, but let her fight a lot. And yeah. her fight scenes were incredible. Like, she did great. In my opinion, she's top-notch. Yeah, and that's a great point that you make. I do think you're right there that they were definitely hesitant to to write her a lot of lines. Hey, you know, you, she, she made it to Mandalorian, and what a tastefully well-done show that is. Let, let's, uh, let's talk about our regulars, all right? Let's talk about uh, Roman. Let's talk about Tej, Mia. Um, I thought these were all great performances. Honestly, uh, Roman, I, I really enjoyed him in this one. Uh, his comic relief was pretty top-notch. And I loved I loved how they the, the, the mirroring of the two crews, right? Like, right? That, was, that was great. And, and, and uh, Roman was the one to point that out, that they're he like totally the evil version. It. He lampshaded it. It was great. <laughs> I mean, it's like... It, it it was intentional, and I honest to God don't know if I would have noticed it had it not been lampshaded by Roman, but it was just so well done. I, I know when we had Jasmine on, she's like, oh, Roman's the best. You're going to love Roman. Roman is has been a little bit of an irritant toward me uh, in these, but I think his transition toward pure comic relief and being there uh, as comic relief really helps. I, I think like if I view him in that lens, I really enjoy him a lot more than um, as like the face character from the A Team, which he's supposed to be. <laughs> hey, you that's know, a good like- comparison. And I like that uh, you know Tej is kind of his comic foil, right? Like they they clearly made them a duo, and that that's built upon later, and it, it's great. And like Tej does a great job here. I, um, I'm happy for Ludacris. I mean, like, I, even if he had no musical career, if this was the thing that he was remembered by, God bless him. You know, he, yeah. he does a great job here. does a great job. I wonder if he's made more money off of these movies than he has off of his uh, music career. Hard, hard to tell. Who knows? Uh, yeah. He's doing well. That's all I know. And he deserves <laughs> to be doing well. <laughs> Um, I thought that this was the best performance out of Jordana Brewster. I thought it was, and maybe, maybe I can rephrase that, say it was, it was the most well-written, uh, of all the movies for Mia, for Mia's 100%. part. They gave her more to do in this film than they have any of the others. And, and I think that that's a testament to her. I, I, I will go to bat for Jordana Brewster any day of the week. I know you will. I know. Yeah. I, I, you know, and uh, no apologies, man. No apologies. I, I, <laughs> I'm here for you. Mrs. Brewster. I'm here for you. She like, they really, really stepped up her character. And I really appreciate that later on. They, like there's talk 
and is actually in development of a female forward Fast and the Furious spinoff. I think that's going to be exciting. I, I, I'm really, really, really excited for it. And uh, I hope that she has a part to play in it. I know that it's going to be led mostly by um, Letty, but I think that that could really have some wings and it could really flesh out a lot of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, I'm, I'm all for that idea. Yeah. They did a great job with her story where I really just thought she was going to be uh, in that intro and not in the rest of the movie. Right. And then they brought it all together uh, when the, <laughs> when the villain had her kidnapped, kidnapped. Um, yep. And then also tastefully done was the character of Elena. I thought the whole how they handled the triangle of her and Letty and Vin Diesel was done well. But I'll tell you this, like, I don't know if I was ever completely sold on Letty being all in with Vin Diesel by the end. I don't know what it was. It was just I kept feeling like there was going to be another double cross. I really did. No, I, I totally get that. And there there could have been one more scene showing their connection. There probably should have been. I could see if there was why it was cut, because that connection where they really connect would have had to have happened <laughs> during the transition between the the second act and the third act when you're amping up action and you're laughing at me and go fuck yourself. Was it a rainbow connection? <laughs> it, it was absolutely a rainbow connection. And uh, they should have had it, but... You know, maybe there could have been something where during the 18.36 mile runway debacle <laughs> where they could, have, they could have helped each other or saved each other or realized where they were better together. That, that well, was a missed opportunity. You're right. They, they had plenty of time to do whatever they want. That runway was so freaking long. That's <laughs> true. Let's go check into a hotel. We got <laughs> we have another eight hours before this plane. Right, right, right. Let's have sex all over this plane. Yes. <laughs> Bruce Willis has yet to go out onto the wing, pull out the fuel <laughs> plug. That's <laughs> like, probably the second longest runway in uh, film history. What do you think about the soundtrack of this film before we get to expectations? Okay, the soundtrack of the movie, it was better music. It definitely was. I felt that... Yeah. Uh, uh, from the intro of the movie to the ending, you just tell it was a better soundtrack. Uh, they probably spent a lot more money on it. Yeah, I I liked it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't do a lot of research on the soundtrack this time, so I'm not exactly sure what I was <laughs> hearing. Here's the, here's the anecdotal evidence I'm going to give you on this one. Uh, this is the first film that I actually went to iTunes and downloaded music off of for my run mix. So... And now that we're talking about expectations for the next one, because this is interesting, this this is the last one you got the the sneak peek with seeing that Letty was still alive and that Dom was going to be involved. But this one, you've got the the death of Han post credits, and then the reveal that Jason Statham is there, and that that's like a huge like okay now knowing what these past two movies have been now I know what the this next one's going to be about, but I want to hear about it from you. What do you expect? Well, you know, obviously the timelines are coming back together again now, right? Mm -hmm. Right. We know Vin Diesel is in Tokyo, or at least he was at the end of the of Tokyo Drift. Yep. Uh, you can only assume he's there to find Statham. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I hope that's where the next one starts. It would be incredible. And then I hope Han's not dead. <laughs> and let's see, do we still have Paul Walker? Is he still with us? 
this is going to be Paul Walker's last movie. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Those and, baby blues. Those baby blues. Yeah. And I'm not going to say any more about that because you're just going to have set with the fact that Paul Walker died while this movie is being filmed. And you're going to figure out how they dealt with that. So. Okay. That's on you. That's I'll on be, you. I'll be interested to, to try and look that's, for that. That's on you. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, obviously knowing that there's a Hobbs and Shaw spinoff, I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how how it plays from villain and, you know, I don't know what you call the rock. Not really a villain anymore, uh, but, you know, a, a man of justice, right? Um, right. So it sort of depends. Uh, and that's what that's what's great about his character is that he's kind of fluctuated over the past few movies. So it'll, it'll be neat to see how all that plays. I, I can only imagine that Statham and The Rock together are fire. Like maybe maybe a, a brighter fire than even Vin Diesel. Or I don't know. All three of them together? Am I even going to be able to handle that? Dude, just buckle up and enjoy. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I encourage you, Kelly, to take this one quarter of a mile at a time and just <laughs> focus on the next one. Because, oh man, it's it's, it's phenomenal. I will say that I recently rewatched some of Snatch, and that okay. was like really one of Statham's first big movies, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, has he come a long way? Like that—that that instantly made me realize, like I didn't, I wouldn't have pegged him at the time to be the action star that he became. Yeah, you know, like, and he has this whole like cult following of like crazy action movies, like Crank and Crank Two, mm-hmm. like. There, I, I will vouch Crank, for Crank. Crank okay. was great. Yeah, the the transporter is another one. Like mm-hmm. he has the chops. Like he he is his own industry. He could have, if he wanted to be, he could have been like an English uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. People yeah. just paid to see him do a thing, and the fact that they were able to, and you'll you'll understand when you watch his next movie, the fact that they were able to take that thing that he does so well and plug it into this franchise. Oh my God. It's just, it's, it's genius. Well, I am, I'm so excited because you have, you know, three bona fide mega stars, uh, combined moving forward with Vin Diesel, the rock and Jason Statham. And that, that's just an amazing feat for any franchise to pull off. You have to be so successful to be able to do it. So, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really excited for you to see some of the other casting choices that are made in these upcoming movies. It's, it's, you're gonna be you're gonna be very pleasantly surprised. Very pleasantly surprised. Oh man, you know, you know me. I eat up. I eat up all the extra cast members. It's like, you know, I do these like Netflix parties with my friends, which I'm doing after we're done with this. And like, I'm the guy that's like, hey, that guy who was in this, 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 and this. Hey, it's that guy who was in this. I'd like, you know, if, if we could have Jeopardy just based on actors and what movies they were in, I, I know I would be like a 10-time champion. Uh, Kelly, I've been friends with you for over like 30 years at this point. Also, we've <laughs> been hosting a pop culture uh, podcast together for over two years now. So, yeah, I kind of get that, man. I kind of get that. <laughs> I, I see your value now. <laughs> Thanks. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> as jeff winger said to abed in the uh pilot of community so all right dude well um let's give some thanks to michael Eads and we own this town for producing this most excellent podcast and let's give a shout out to our main man scott Bricklin for 
letting us use the most excellent theme song, Walk Away. And JT, please, please be excellent to each other. And party online, dudes! Oh my god, if you enjoyed that show, which you should because it's great, there's like so many Japanese samurai series you should watch. Um, starting with like Lone Wolf and Cub, which I think is it, it, the biggest influence on on that show, and it's just enjoyable to watch. So anyway, sorry, <laughs> cut that out, Kelly. I apologize. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. leaving it in, baby. I'm leaving. No, it you're in. not. You know, you're not. No, you're not. I, I've heard the last couple episodes. It's just you talking to yourself. So I I get what's happening. Sure. Here. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I want to do is just hear my voice.